Welcome to Canyon Hills. We are so delighted that you're joining us today. Thank you for being part of our family. And if you're part of our extended family and joining us from places like the Philippines, Maganda Omaga, Papalayan Cayo Nang Dios. I hope that makes sense to some of you. And if you're part of our extended family joining us from Mexico, Buenos Dias, que el Señor les bendiga. And if you're joining us from Iowa, well, good morning. And thank you for being part of this. We are honored that you're joining us today. You know, I heard the story about this little girl who comes to her mom and asks her, you know, how did the human race start? And the mom goes on to explain that at the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then he created Adam and Eve, and that we came from Adam and Eve, therefore we were created by God. And a couple of days later, the little girl goes to her father and asks him the same question, except the father says, well, in the beginning there was nothing, and then there was animals, and then there was monkeys, and we evolved from monkeys. The little girl, confused, goes to her mom and says, Mom, why is it that you're telling me that we were created by God and Dad is telling me that we evolved from monkeys? And the mom answers, Oh, that's simple, honey. Your dad's just telling you about his side of the family. Oh, man, there's a lot of silence here this morning. You know, I can't believe that it's been five weeks since we started this social distancing thing. And I don't know about you, but I'm waiting for this to be over. In fact, this week and last week, I reached out to many of you, and it's amazing to hear some of the stories that in the midst of the pandemic, there's been some great things that have been coming out of this. So I wanted to share some good news with you about our church. The first one is that we are, on our online viewership, we are experiencing four times higher participation or viewership than we've ever had on an average Sunday attendance. And we've also been able to, because of the generous donation of some people here at church, we've been able to donate masks to our church family and our community. And we've been getting reports of just uh, what a difference it's made in their lives just by giving out a mask. So God is doing some amazing things through all of this. And then I keep hearing from you of just uh, the family unity and, and just uh, all of the people that are drawing closer to God and the sharing of resources like toilet paper and groceries. I mean, we, we are just having meaningful conversations. There's also a lot of uh, community and neighborhood unity, people looking out for each other. Uh, just this week, I had a neighbor who has never dropped anything off, and that's okay after over 20 years of me living there. And this week, they dropped off a bag of avocados, which was amazing. So people are looking out for each other. And I think through all of this, we are all just appreciating the small stuff. And today we're on the second week of our series entitled Elisha, talking about just ridiculous faith. And last week, Pastor Matt talked about just burning some plows. And this week, we're going to talk about collecting some empty jars. And because we're going to be talking about godly provision. In fact, again, this week, I spoke to a lot of people, and although we are celebrating what God is doing in our midst, I'm also speaking to some people who are hurting during this time. I've received several reports of furloughs and layoffs and financial troubles and health issues and, and anxiety about what the future holds, especially financially. In fact, I spoke to someone who lost their job, and they're saying that they have to dip into their retirement savings just to make ends meet. I spoke to somebody else who was laid off and they said, you know, I can probably hold this off for a few months and do well, be okay. But after that, I don't know what's going to happen. And it just seems like that for many of you, the emotional stress is starting to take a toll. 
and you find yourself, you know, worrying about what the future may hold and stress and anxiety is building up. And I'm just praying that today, as a result of hearing God's word, that God would minister to you in your time of need. And that there would be a significant life change as a result of that. And as always, when we want to experience life change, we have to dive in to God's word. So open up your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read a story there. But let's start with verses 1 and 2. So turn your Bibles on, open up your Bibles. I'll give you a second and then read with me. Where it says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two sons as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. You know, right off the bat, we know some things about this story. We don't know the widow's name. You know, she was struggling financially. We're guessing she's in her mid-30s. She's lost her husband, and she has no chance of meaningful employment because back then in that culture, women were unemployable unless she took a job doing what no woman wanted to do. Bible scholars believe that she was the wife of the prophet Obadiah. And if this is the case, then it makes sense, and it wouldn't be common for the prophet's family to be in financial need because prophets, you see, spend the majority of their time on the run, traveling, just trying to make ends meet. And so it was very difficult for them. And so she finds herself in a devastating place. She lost her husband, and now a collection agency is after her. Except that in those days, they weren't just calling you. They were coming to get your sons. Because you see, the law said that if you had a debt that you couldn't repay, they could take your children as slaves. So I don't know about you, but this story sounds like you can't get it any worse. Talk about feeling hopeless. And you know, the first thing I think about when I read stories like this, selfishly, is that these type of stories always put my problems into perspective. And we always say things like, don't sweat the small stuff. But the reality is, is that we all sweat the small stuff. I mean, how many of you right now are going through slow internet issues? And we start to see this buffering circle pop up in our screen, and we get so frustrated. And we start to think, man, first world problems, right? Or how many of you have posted something on social media recently, Instagram or Facebook, and you don't get any likes, or maybe you only get 10 likes, and you start to overthink it, and you start to think that everybody hates you, so you're just going to go eat worms? Or you start to, again, overthinking it, thinking, you know what? I'm just going to try to selfie against the mirror, only to get more frustrated. Because we all sweat the small stuff. But our reality today is that in the midst of God doing some amazing things through all of this, there are still a few people who are not sweating the small stuff because they have significant problems in front of them. Perhaps you're one of those people who've lost their job and you don't know what the future holds and and you don't know how you're going to get out of this financial hole. Or perhaps you had some relationship problems with your spouse and this whole staying at home has brought up even some worse things and you don't know if you can hold on. You don't know if your marriage is going to make it. 
Or maybe you have a wayward child. And you know because you're old enough and you're wise enough to know that if that son or daughter of yours doesn't start making better decisions, they're going to end up in a place where they never wanted to be. And you're agonizing because that's, there's nothing that you can do. Or maybe it's a health issue. You or your loved one or someone close to you is suffering the effects of this virus now. Now, I just heard from somebody from our church in Mexico in Juarez who literally is in the hospital fighting for their life as we speak. So pray for them. Or maybe you, in the midst of this pandemic and this virus, are dealing with another health issue, a significant health issue, like a cancer. And you are in need of healing. Folks, all of these are real stories that I've heard this week. So I could see how there could be such stress and this feeling of hopelessness. And if there's no miracle from God, you don't know what's going to happen. So we have this woman who expresses a significant need to the prophet Elisha. And let me tell you what Elisha does. Well, first, let me tell you what he doesn't do. Elisha just doesn't come to the woman and says, oh, that's too bad, and just blows her off. He doesn't say, hey, listen, I'm sending good vibes your way or, or I'm thinking of you, which by the way, I don't even know what good vibes are. I, and folks, don't just think of me. I appreciate that. But if I'm going through something, I would much rather you pray for me. Listen, listen to what Elisha did. And, and I think this is a perfect response for us. When we hear that someone is hurting right now, this should be our response as well. Elisha just heard a significant need, and this is what he does. He makes himself available. He makes himself available. And in verse 2, Elisha replied to her, and what does he say? He says five words. He says, how can I help you? How can I help you? Folks, you want to make a difference right now, and you want to bring joy to others, and in the process, bring joy to yourself? Start Every morning, waking up, coming to God and saying, God, I am available today. God, help me meet someone's need. And Lord, if I can't meet their need, help me to be a conduit to be able to meet that need. You know, one of the things that I struggle with personally is that I think that I need to solve all the problems that are brought up to me. And I have to remind myself that I don't have to do that, that sometimes I just need to be a conduit, or maybe I just need to be a good listener. You know, just last week, literally last week, someone comes to my house and drops off a bunch of bags of groceries. And I didn't even look what was inside, but I knew it had canned goods and a bunch of essential things that, that one would need uh, for a home. Well, I put them in the garage thinking, I'll just drop them off at church the, ne the next time I go so that we can put it in our pantry that feeds the less fortunate. But except this week, I get a call from someone who says they found out where we had some face masks and, you know, if they wanted to pick some up. So I said, yeah, if you're willing to come pick them up in my house, I can get you some. And then she says, you know, Pastor, I'm a little embarrassed about this, but my husband and I just lost our jobs and we don't really have anything. Can you help us with some essential needs? And I told her, you know, just show up to my house. So she, can, she comes over and she takes all those bags of groceries. She took uh, toilet paper and paper towels and a bunch of other essential items, of course, face masks as well. And I have to tell you, most of those things didn't come from us. 
We were just a conduit with that. So when you hear directly from someone right now that has a significant need, will you ask, how can I help you? Will you make yourself available? Will you say, if I can't meet your need, I'll be a conduit to meet that need? Because then listen to what Elisha says to the widow. He says something very profound, and then he says it with respect and dignity. He asks her, tell me what you do have in your house. In other words, he says, he doesn't say, I'm here with all the answers. He, say, he, he puts it on her and says, tell me what you have. And this is what she replies, your servant has nothing at all. Now, isn't it interesting that when we are hurting and that when we are lacking, all that we can see is what we don't have? And we fail to, to recognize and we miss the blessings that we do have. And we start to think that, man, if I could just have this, or if I can just have more, a better income, a nicer house, a cooler car, or, or just faster internet, right? I mean, I, I hear some people can't host a small group because they don't have granite countertops. Because we all know that the Spirit of God cannot move unless it's on the smooth surface of granite. Or I've heard some stories of people that have closets full of clothes only to say, hey, I have nothing to wear. Of course, I don't know any of those people, but I've heard stories about that. Because we can all relate to focusing on what we don't have when we're hurting. And this is exactly where this poor woman finds herself in. She lost everything, and all she can focus on is her hurt and her lack and her need. But folks, at some point, at some point, we have to stop waiting for what we want, and we have to start working with what we have. You know, Elisha asked her, what do you have in your house? And she says, your servant has nothing there at all except, she says, except a small jar of oil, except this one little thing. And you may be thinking, you know, what's a big deal with this small jar of olive oil? Well, you have to know that olive oil was incredibly valuable in that time because it had several uses in that culture. It was used for cooking because there was no natural gas stoves. It was used for fuel for lamps so they could have light because there was no electricity. It was used as a moisturizer because there was no bath and body works. It was used to treat leather and keep iron from rusting. I mean, it was used as an offering to God and also to anoint people with oil in religious gatherings. So it was very valuable, and she didn't have a lot. She only had a little. But aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that we serve a God who can do a lot with a little? In fact, there's a story in the New Testament, and I know you've heard it before. It's about when Jesus feeds the 5,000. And everyone is hungry and the disciples don't know what to do. In fact, they come up with a lot of excuses as to why they can't meet the need. But we have this little boy who doesn't have a lot. He only has a little. He only has five loaves and two fish. But that was enough. Because God can do a lot with a little. And in the hands of the Son of God, a little bit becomes a lot. And they ended up feeding the 5,000. And it was Jesus himself that if you just have a little bit of faith, 
Not a lot. In fact, some of you may be saying right now, that's me. I just have a little bit of faith. Well, remember that we serve a God who can do a lot with a little. And if you just have a little bit of faith, the size of a mustard seed, the Bible says, that you can tell this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and you will have what you ask for. Ask yourself, what do you have? What do you have right now that you can offer? God asked Moses one time, what do you have in your hand? And notice that God never said, what do you want or what do you need? But he has, what do you ask? What do you have? Moses had a staff and he discovered that is all he needed. King David, when he was a boy, all he had was a slingshot and discovered that a slingshot in the hands of God is more powerful than any army. So folks, stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have because God has given you everything you need to do everything that he wants you to do. I understand maybe it's tough to provide for your family right now. I get it. I've been there. But at least you're home with your family and you're spending time with your wife and your kids. And and let me tell you, dads, gentlemen, fathers, The most important thing you can do right now for your child is to instruct them and lead them to Christ. Because that is a huge success. Because his word says that if you seek him first and his righteousness, then all, everything, all these things will be added onto you, not the other way around. Which leads me to my next point. Offer God what you have and trust him to give you what you need. Let me say that again. Offer God what you have and trust him to give you what you need. And that is exactly what happens in this story as we read on in verses 3 through 7. This is what it says. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars And as each is filled, put it to the one side. And it's interesting. He says, go get a bunch of jars. Then the widow had the faith. When the widow had the faith to offer what she had, God would give her what she needed. And that is exactly what happens in verse 5. She said she left him and she shut the door behind her and her two sons. They brought the jar to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went on and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. When she offered the little she had, God gave her everything she needed. As long as there was an empty jar, the oil kept flowing. Think about this for a second. What a ridiculous request. To ask her to empty everything out that she had and to trust God for the rest. But I think you're discovering, if you've been with God long enough, you discover that that is how God works sometimes. When you take what you have and you stop waiting for what you want, but you offer what you have, God will do something amazing. And folks, that's just been 
my experience. You see, my life has always been filled with I can't or I couldn't or I shouldn't. You know, growing up in Mexico, poor, walking uphill, barefoot in the snow, being raised by wolves. Okay, half of that is not true, but you get the point. I did, I did grow up thinking I shouldn't have this or I can't do that or I can't afford this or I cannot go there. That was my life. I shouldn't own a business. I shouldn't be a pastor. Yet one day I decided to offer God what I had. And at the time I said, God, I'll give you one step of obedience. That's all I had to offer at the time. And all I did was step through some opportunities that God laid out for me. And he gave me a business and he gave me uh, the opportunity to be a pastor speaking to you right now. And folks, I'm not boasting. If anything, I am boasting on what the Lord has done in my life. Because God will come and tell you, go get a bunch of empty jars and it's not going to make sense to you. But notice how he didn't say what color or what shape or what size. It could be anything, a peanut butter jar, a milk jug, whatever it is, as long as it is empty. The point is that God can use any size, shape, or color. It just needs to be empty. Are, are, you, are, are you tracking with me? The Apostle Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 4-7 that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is from God and not from ourselves. You know, this is referring, these jars of clay is referring to us. We are the jars of clay. Our bodies are the jars of clay. Yes, sometimes we're fragile, sometimes we're dirty, but we have this treasure and God is looking for empty jars, which is us. We just need to empty ourselves out. We just need to pour ourselves out, if you will. Pour ourselves out and empty ourselves of pride and greed and maybe our own agendas. And when you do that and you come to God totally empty and he fills us with this oil, which is symbolic for the Holy Spirit. So he fills us with his spirit. And all of a sudden you realize, don't miss this. All of a sudden you realize that when you don't have what you really want, you realize that God is what you truly need. When you don't have what you really want, you realize that God is what you truly need. And suddenly, he is enough. He is sufficient in every single way. And you are going to discover that when you are weak, he is your strength. And when you are hurting, he is your comforter. And when you are lost, he is your guide. And when you are hungry, he is the bread of life. And when you are thirsty, he is the living water. And when you are unstable, he is and will be your rock. When you don't have what you really want, you realize that God is what you truly need. And maybe some of you are lacking today and feeling empty and you're looking to him to fill you. So I will tell you, stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. I will tell you, offer God what you have and trust God to give you what you need. 
You know, the, the, the other thing that I can't help but recognize about the story is just kind of the imagery and the symbolism. You know, think about the widow's story. The widow's story is your story. That widow's story is my story. She had a debt that was impossible to pay. You see, all of us have a debt that, are, that is impossible to pay. We just can't repay it. It's called sin. All of us have sinned against God, and we absolutely have no way of paying them back or making it right. That's why the gospel is what every single person needs right now, above anything else. The gospel just means good news. The good news that God and his love and mercy for humanity, while we were still sinners, sent his only son to die on the cross for our sins, died and rose again on the third day so that anyone that would call upon his name could be saved. Anyone includes you. Doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what you've been through. Today, if you decide to surrender your life to Christ, that could be you. And if that is you, I just want to pray for you. But I also know there's many of you that are hurting. Those of you that are without, lacking. Those of you that are on empty. And those of you that are overwhelmed and feeling heavy burden. Folks, I believe that God wants to reveal himself in a much deeper and more intimate way this morning than you've ever known him before. And if you feel like that's you and you're watching and listening to my voice, I just want to pray for you right now. So why don't we do this? At this moment, wherever you're at, I just want you to bow your heads. And as I pray, I just want you to agree with me in prayer. There's power in an agreement by the body of Christ. So just bow your heads this moment and let me pray for you. Father, speak to us today. Lord, I ask that you would pour out your spirit and that you would be able to build our faith. We pray that we would be different as a result of hearing your word this morning. God, thank you for knowing the intimate details of every single person's life that is watching us. God, I thank you that you are good and that you, when we look to you, Father, you may not give us what we want, but you always give us what we need. Father, I pray that in this moment that your Holy Spirit would fill all of these empty vessels. God, that in your presence we would be exactly and that you would be exactly what we need. That you would give us this supernatural peace that goes beyond our human ability to understand. That you would be our divine comforter. That you would be our strength. And Lord, that you would build our faith. And if that's you, would you just say right now, say, Father, I give you my hurts. I give you my failures. I confess my sins to you. I empty myself of me. Father, hear my prayer. And if you don't know Christ and you would like to give your life over to him, just repeat this prayer in your heart and say, Heavenly Father, I admit that I am a sinner and that I need a Savior. Father, forgive me change me, make me new. And I believe that you died and that you rose for me so that I could live for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I could follow you the rest of my life as best as I know how. Thank you for my new life. This life is not my own. I give it to you. 
And we all pray in the beautiful and powerful name of Jesus, all of God's people said, amen. Now, we're going to sing a song in a second. And I encourage you that as you hear this song and you listen to the lyrics, that you will respond one of three ways. That you would, first of all, sing along, hear along, but also thank God for all the small stuff and all the big stuff in your life. That you are just thankful to him and the fact that he is with you and he is for you, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And then I would ask that you would just let go and that you would trust in him and that you would remember, like the song says, that the waves and the wind still know his name. And then lastly, that as you cry out to him, that no matter what may come our way, that we, as the body of Christ and a believer of Christ, we would be able to say, it is well. Folks, as we sing, keep the faith, keep praying, keep believing. May the Lord bless you.